Steve, we've uh, we've made it to a year. We have, yes. And, and you left the country to celebrate <laughs> our one year anniversary. Exactly. Ty, you need to get this guy uh, off the payroll. He's uh, he's leaving the country too frequently <laughs> when big things come. Guys, we have uh, a very special guest for yeah our one year anniversary episode at the time of this recording uh, it's been a year we're so thankful for all the listeners and the support that we've had in this past year and so we wanted to treat you guys to a very very special guest and tyron daniel who leads the ncmi team here that anthem is a part of and uh, i'm gonna have steve kick him, kick it off and uh introduce more about tyron yeah awesome tyron it's so so uh, awesome to have you on this podcast Really looking forward to the to the conversation. Just just before we get into it, just a quick introduction for those who don't know Tyron. Tyron and Nicole, his wife, uh, have been married for gee tw- twenty plus years, I would guess. Tyron, yeah, twenty four, bro. Twi- no, who's, no one's counting. <laughs> twenty <laughs> four years. Uh, they have three amazing boys. They currently live in Denver, Colorado. Tyron, uh, we'll get into some of the details, but Tyron has kind of bounced around the nations spending time in Africa, South Africa, Australia, and the US. But Tyron and Nicole lead the translocal ministry that Anthem Church partners with, a, a, a translocal apostolic ministry called New Covenant Ministries International. New Covenant Ministries International, just for those who don't know, has this is a, it's a team of men and women who carry recognized Ephesians 4 ministry gifts and have this apostolic heart to go into the nations and to extend and advance the kingdom of God. And New Covenant Ministries International partner with local churches to help pastors, to help elders lead churches so that their churches can become all that God has desired their churches to be. But it's not just New Covenant Ministries partnering with churches, but it's churches in return partnering with New Covenant Ministries. So it's this very relational model that I certainly do believe we see in the scriptures and we see outworked in our partnership with New Covenant Ministries. So Tyron, just uh, as we kick off, maybe just a little of your story. I know it's uh, it's quite a remarkable story over the years with your father kind of starting New Covenant Ministries International, what, 35 years ago now? Actually, probably 40, in the, maybe 42, 43. Wow, maybe, okay, uh, yeah. <laughs> Again, who's counting? Exactly. <laughs> Why don't you start us off by just sharing a little of your story, how you came to know the Lord, um, something of your journey. I know it's quite a remarkable story of God's grace and redemption. We'd love to hear a little of that. Thanks, guys. Well, I appreciate just the opportunity. I'm glad that I'm on your one-year celebration and anniversary. <laughs> it took you a year to trust me. I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm, I'm not quite sure how to read into that, but we'll celebrate <laughs> the moment. Uh, uh, yeah, listen, I appreciate this. Uh, yeah, just the partnership and the way you're presenting it. And, and, and again, just really do enjoy partnership that we've been called to together. But yeah, just a kind of quick overhead on or over, you know, view of, of kind of our, my, my, our story, my story. And again, I think it does give a context to what we're about and what we're trying to do. You know? But as you said in the introduction, I was actually born in Rhodesia, which is now Zimbabwe. And my dad was actually there doing mission work. He was a missionary in those days, uh, knocking on doors, setting up tents and inviting people to come hear the gospel. And that's kind of mm. where I was born. I was there. I lived there for the whole of six weeks, <laughs> and then my dad uh, and I, we relocated to South Africa and moved there. 
And then my dad, we moved to Durban, to Johannesburg and all over South Africa, church planning and leading local churches and so on. And so I kind of grew up in the church. In a sense, I was not born, born again. I get that. But I was born into the church, into ministry, in a sense, into parents who had a heart for the nations and were getting on with the job. Mm. And in saying that, they also were part of different models and structures and some very legalistic, I think, denominations and some pretty free. But again, my pop's looking at scripture, trying to find his way through it all. But that's kind of what we were born into. So we... We had a good time through that. Then we moved to Australia in 89. When I was 17, we moved to Australia. And uh, we, I lived there for uh, maybe five or six years and then relocated to the U.S., to Los Angeles uh, in 96. And we're there. I was there from 96 to 2001. And I was in the eldership in a church there in Southern California. It's where I met Nicole. She's American, Californian. So forgive mm-hmm. me all you uh, who are from elsewhere, but the Beach Boys, said it right and i got it right uh, <laughs> um, I my californian girl anyway if i've lost you come back please but uh and so when i got married there i was an elder in the one of the churches there she was in that church and my oldest son was born there joel and then in 2001 we relocated uh, moved uh, back to australia the call of god there and to take over leadership of a pretty significant church in our togetherness a base church really a church that carried big profile into Asia and around the nations. And so we had the privilege of leading that church for quite a while. In that season as well, we were handed the leadership uh, of New Covenant Ministries, NCMI, um, from my dad. I'm sure you want to get into some of that. We can. But uh, in that effort of leading both, we realized we couldn't do both. So we handed that, that local church over to someone else. We were based there for a season. And then we felt God ready to challenge us and call us to come back to the U.S. And we were very excited about that. I have to say, every time I've moved internationally, I kind of have settled that I'm not going back. I'll visit, but we're going to be where God has us, not long for where we've come from. And so it was never in our hearts to go back to any region. It was always about where God has us. But we felt God begin to really challenge us that the U.S. is essential in what God's doing around the world. I still believe that. And I know that a lot of international people will be hearing this. But I'm convinced that God has a strategic plan still in this nation, from this nation. And I've lived overseas like some of you guys. And this nation, America, has impacted the nations for the gospel. So there's a huge impact. But it's not in the past. There's this continued thing. And we felt God really speak to us about moving back and coming back. And I want to say this, not for leftovers, but actually to come and be part of what God's doing here. And so we were privileged to do that and couldn't wait to do that and said, yes, Lord. And so we up and left again and relocated here to Denver, Colorado, to plant a church. We did that in 2000, beginning of 2010, and we planted a church here, uh, pretty much by hearing God. People like, I remember telling Nicole, hey, babe, you know, she's Californian and she moved to Australia, but she'd never been to Denver. <laughs> and uh, in those days, honestly, no one was relocating. Like most people who lived in California stayed in. Now they're all getting out, forgive me, I know, but in those days... <laughs> You know, Nicole had been on an airplane once, and that was to New York. She'd never been out of the country, and she'd never been out of California. It just wasn't a thing. So when I, we felt God begin to speak to us about coming to Denver, I remember saying to and God really spoke clearly to prophetic people. Mm-hmm. We were in Malaysia and Asia and all over the different places, and God was speaking through strangers about us coming back to the U.S. and to Denver. We'd never been there. I remember saying to Nicole, hey, babe, do you want to kind of go check this place out before we move? And my wonderful wife, 
I thank God for practical wives as well. If I don't like it, are we still moving? <laughs> uh, to which I, I uh, obligedly said, yes, God said it, we got to go. So she was like, well, I don't need to really go see it. But we were delighted as we flew in to Denver just to see what a pretty place it is. And also the people are very awesome. And it just, so again, that was a 12 years ago, or maybe a little more, but that's kind of our story. And we landed here, uh, led that church, planted that church. People came from all over, which was great. We never advertised it. God just brought really key guys to help us. And we kind of in God birthed something here to mm. be part of what he's doing. And then a few years later, I think we planted for five or five and a half, maybe six years. And then we obviously with our, continued uh, leading New Covenant Ministries, I was traveling way too much to be able to lead that local church. And so we felt in God it was season to hand over that church, in which we did. The leadership transitioned that to someone else. And uh, we based in that church still. We still function out of that church, from that church. And that's kind of our story, Steve. I mean, mm. it's uh, a nutshell. Did I always serve the Lord? Absolutely not. Um I walked away from God in some of that time, not in ministry, but before I was in ministry, I turned my back on God. Uh, I saw some stuff in the church that concerned me, not with the pe- with the leaders, just people. It was very hypocritical for me. Mm. And I found more reality in the world, I have to be honest. And that's tragic, but I just found there was more reality there. People were hypocrites and fake from a lot of what I saw. And it was because I was running from God. But mm. Uh, one day I just encountered the Lord in a fresh way. He gave me great understanding that it's not his fault and you can't link God to his people. Like it's God and then his people and mm. we got to fix it. How long will you point the fingers or do you want to go be part of the solution? And mm. that's been my, I never wanted to be in ministry, but I did want to be part of the solution. And I think, you know, 30 years later, it's still the question to keep asking, or 30-something years later, are we still the part of the solution? Very good. Or have we become the very problem that got me running away from the church? But again, mm. that's kind of the story, bro. So God has been incredible to me. I've lived this most privileged life. I'm only 50, but I, I'm living the dream. I feel like we've just found rhythm and mm. our strides. But uh, yeah, it's definitely been a, an incredible, incredible season, life. I'm privileged to do what I do. And I'm privileged to live in this great nation that we're living in, ministering and leading. So, yeah, that's that's where we're awesome. at. Awesome. Awesome. I just want to pick up on another personal kind of question, if you don't mind, Tyron. But you've got three amazing oh. boys. I know them um, serving the Lord, love the Lord passionately, um, super excited about what God is doing, um, not only in and through your family, but in the partnership of churches, both in the States and into the nations. Um, maybe just a question around that that might help um, anyone listening who's raising kids. How do you, I know this is a big question, but any insights on raising kids that love Jesus and love his church? Um, Sometimes we get the love Jesus right and the kids don't love the church. Sometimes we don't get either right. But uh, how do we raise kids that love Jesus and love his church? Yeah, well, listen, I mean, that's the million-dollar question. I know that many have written books that don't seem to work. I certainly am not an expert in this, Steve, and, and I appreciate the question. We are blessed, but we got a great mm. family. Again, they're not perfect children or sons, but they love God, which is a great thing, and they're serving God, and they love mm. the church. And it's by the grace of God. And again, we obviously test continue to come, so nothing's guaranteed. Mm. I think for me, you know, I've been handed all the books, and I'm not anti-books on parenting. The problem with parenting books is those who wrote those books often haven't got kids, or secondly, they haven't got my kids. Yeah. Um, and so it's cool to get some perspective from people, but you've got to 
really, I think, find how to raise your own children. I mean, my three sons are very different. To raise mm. them the same way is not a good father. Mm. And I think leadership's the same thing. You know, we've got to know how to call out what's in them, have the same rules, can I say, but apply it very differently. Mm. It's not a one-size-fits. So we try to do that. Um, and and uh, without trying to sound super spiritual, I, I think, you know, I grew up, grew up in, a, in a household of a man who was my dad and mom. They were a people of the truth, the word of God, but also mission and big picture mm. um, and church life, which is awesome. But I, I think where I got disgruntled was I was having my faith in those things. So, mm. I had faith for mission. I had faith for the local church. I, but I put, I realized to have faith for it can also force you at times to have your faith in it. Mm. And I realized that faith for things is not enough. I mean, the, the, if you have faith in those things, they're going to let you down. And mm. I think that's where I found discouragement and disappointment. Instead of having for it, I had my faith in it. And so I, I came out of that season, not because of my dad and mom, because of my faith was in the wrong things. Mm. And so what we were pretty determined, because my kids, when all three of them were born, we were in ministry, full-time pastoring, eldering, uh, leading. Um, my sons, my two youngest sons were born into us leading NCMR. We were on the road traveling all the time. We took them with us. And so what I realized is that they, I want them to, we want them to catch the heart for all these outworkings. Mm. But I, I, I realized that if we are not intentional about them, having their own revelation with G of Jesus, then all these tag on ads on that are good. They're not enough because I knew that from my own life. And so we've been, in, we've tried and I don't think we've done this really perfectly, but I've got an incredible wife who's raised these sons of mine as I've traveled a lot. She's traveled with me. We've included them. God has been so gracious to us. It's that whole thing. You take care of my house. I'll take care of your house. Mm. But in saying that we haven't tried to, uh, uh, we're not into winning the world for Jesus and losing our own families. And so mm. we've had to realize there's a lot of role we've had to play. But I think, Steve, and, and both of you guys, just for me, it's been intentional uh, talking about Jesus, not the church, not ministry, mm. not uh, mission. It's been Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And I've said this, if, if you want your children to be obsessed with Jesus, you better be obsessed with Jesus. They they don't catch what you say, they catch who you are and they see you at home. And so mm. it's been us intentionally making sure that we're not talking about all these other things at the expense of the main thing. And so mm. I realized for us, my sons, they can live by the rules of their dad. But to be honest, we can break the rules if they're my dad's rules. And I know mm. when your kids are young, you've got to play that, you've got to give them the rules. But there comes a time when dad's rules, mom's rules, my parents' rules are not enough. That's when we've got to shift somewhere where their revelation of Jesus, if you if they live in the light and live with the light, they will not go into darkness. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we've had to try and encourage them. Your own walk with Jesus will determine everything else you get to do. And all these other things are awesome, but they're the byproduct of your relationship mm -hmm. with Jesus. And by the grace of God, my three sons love Jesus, which to me is is what matters everything else finds its place. And so mm. I think loving the church, you know, we've often said that you can love the church without loving Jesus, but I don't think you can love Jesus without loving his church. And mm. that's why I get them in love with Jesus. Mm. They'll be in love with the church. And we've really tried uh, to not talk church stuff and issues around the dinner table in raising them up. Uh, we protected mm. them. My parents did that really well with us. And we've done our best to try and protect my sons. They're not in, 
while they're in ministry with us, they're not elders on our eldership team. Mm. And so we've tried very diff- like not to talk with them in their growing up, especially about the issues. We kept that away. To be, to be honest, even now, my sons will talk to other guys around the world and say, did you know your dad had to walk through this or your mom? And they're like, we knew nothing of it. What, really? Mm. Uh, and again, not that we hid it. We protected them. And I think that's where we've got to encourage them with their walk with Jesus, but protect them from your own issues because they're going to have their own issues and their own revelation. And mm. so, again, long answer. I know there's much more to it. But I do think the – and again, I just said don't panic. I think young guys, we were raising people – just don't panic. <laughs> mm. I mean, I think our first son, we panicked over everything. And then you have another one, you're like, by the third one, you're like, I'm not panicking. <laughs> it doesn't mean you don't care. It just means don't panic. Uh, mm. God's got this. You know, if you, if you love them through it, encourage them, put God first, but also involve them in what you're doing. And uh, don't let ministry take their place, mm. but don't let them take the place of ministry. Involve them in ministry. Very good. We've tried again. That's the, that's, the concept we've attempted at, have we been good at it all the time? Absolutely not. But that's what I think, looking back, read the books, but get your son, your children obsessed mm. with Jesus. And there's no better way than you being obsessed with Jesus. I'm, I think that's the cornerstone to it all and the foundation that will hold them, regardless of the trials and the pressures that come in and through the church. If they love Jesus, they're walking with him. Mm. They can walk through it all. So that's very good. kind of what I think. Darren, I have a two-part question here. I'm going to kick it back to when you were talking about how part of your testimony was you kind of walked away from the Lord or, you know, you turned your back on the Lord before you entered ministry, which I think is important and crucial to understand. But then I think you said that it was because you feel like there were hypocrites in the church or, you know, the church not being the church. Could you expand on that, one? And then, two, you use this term of being obsessed with Jesus. It's funny because Steve's doing a, a preaching and training course and, my topic is uh, that I'm talking about today is the desperate Christian. So in another way, it's, it's, it's similar in synonym. Maybe you can help me with my preaching here, but (laughs) I'm trying to help people convey, I'm trying to convey the message that, you know, we need to be desperate. But the thing is people think they're desperate when they're really not, or you can think you're obsessed with Jesus when in reality, maybe you're not that obsessed. I guess, what are the markers of someone who's obsessed with Jesus? Yeah. So two questions in one, and you can you can tackle that however you wish. All right. Well, let me just quickly reference what I was saying about you know hypocrites in the church. And again, I, I, we still have them. They're everywhere, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. not to point fingers. It's the facts. They say one thing and do another. I, I remember just you know I, I'm a guy for reality, and and I praise God. So is my parents. So my dad was always contending for reality, but I, I saw a lot of. A lot of stuff being said by people who, you know, Sunday mornings with their hands raised. Nothing wrong. That's great. But then the next night or on the Friday night, we were partying together, drinking together, mm. nightclubbing. They were getting drunk. I didn't have the audacity to raise my hands in the front and pretend. I sat at the back going, okay, like I'm here to honor what God's doing with my parents. I don't, I'm not anti-church. Just my walk with the Lord's not there. These mm. other guys who were exactly like me were standing in the front with their hands raised. And I was thinking... How real is what you're talking? This is mm. a show. This is a put on. And and then listen, guys, we can all find those excuses. Yeah. And the reality is if you're looking for an excuse, you'll find it. Uh-huh. And you can just look at any church because the church are people. Yeah. <laughs> imperfect. Even saved, we're still imperfect. I think for me, the challenge from the Lord was, you know, how long are you going to blame me for them? Mm. 
that's not me. That's them. And why don't you become more like me? That was the challenge. I think hypocrites are there. And that's what I want. I just want reality. Mm. I saw some reality, but I saw more of no reality or Mm. a game we play. And I just can't play the game. And it was, it was not a reflection on any leadership or any church. It was just me seeing people who called themselves something, but didn't live according to it. And I'm mm. like, surely they were no different to me, but I wasn't playing the game. So that's where I, and I, and I found the world to be real. Mm. <laughs> Those dudes out there, they were like, I'm a bad dude. And I'm like, yeah, you are. And you're happy to call yourself rather than pretend. So, but it was, it was a challenge I was going through and we were finding some real opposition. My dad was fighting very uh, strong denominational uh, legalism and I'm talking legalism where women weren't allowed to wear makeup men not allowed to wear dresses over their knees and all the nonsense and so my dad was fighting that we were living through that we, he was and so I think there was all this coming at me that I was looking for an excuse I found it very quickly because I looked at the people around me rather than look to Jesus himself and so I think hypocrites are there they're going to be there and it's not let's throw rocks at them let's fix our eyes on Jesus and not look to his people because his people are should be fixing our eyes on him. So that's kind of my hypocritical thing. My excuse, and I got over it because God reminded me that's not me, and be the solution, stop pointing out the faults. And again, they still exist. Even in leadership, I see, (laughs) I mean, we see it being exposed all around. So even church leaders are hypocrites at times. And I'm not throwing rocks. We can find that or we can fix it by fixing our eyes on Jesus and stop looking to ministries and men. That's that. The other thing, uh, uh, your question around uh, the obsession with Jesus. Uh, someone said, I think A.W. Tozer, one of these guys said this, that we are called to a preoccupation with Christ or, G- or God's Son. That's our thing. We are mm-hmm. we called to be preoccupied, not thinking of him, have a thought of him. And I think that's what we need to be. That too, when I talk about obsessed with Jesus, I think, you know, what you're passionate about, you talk about. And I, I see a lot of guys passionate about ministry and passionate about church and men, people and marriage. And But if Jesus is your passion, that's what you're going to talk about. And, and I think that's where we had to say to our, I said to my wife, hey, babe, to Nicole, we, we need to, in our discussions, make Jesus the priority of what we talk about. Let's talk about what Jesus is, who Jesus is. And I'm talking about the day we had it. Those and, and to be honest, you had to find our way there because we got busy with all the stuff for Jesus at the expense mm-hmm. of Jesus. And I think, what does it look like? Well, Paul, the apostle, my, my understanding of Paul was he was obsessed with Jesus. And I know mm-hmm. this because I've read his letters and all his letters talk about is knowing Christ. I mm-hmm. want to know him. I want, and I'm like, geez, Paul, you know Christ. What's your problem? Mm-hmm. You encountered him in Acts chapter 9. So there's a difference, I think, for me. Here's the answer is a lot of people meet Jesus but they don't know Jesus. And mm. I think an obsession is those who desire not to meet him, but to know him. Mm. And that's a continued everyday priority and pursuit. Mm. And that's what Paul had. And so if you want to say, what does that look like? Look at the life of Paul. I, I think humility is a sign. If you truly are a, obsessed with Jesus, you humble. You're not, mm. you're not back-footed, but you're humble. You're not taking glory. You're giving glory. Mm. Uh, if you if you met Jesus, you're taking glory. If you're pursuing Jesus, you're giving mm. glory. It's you can't take it. And so I think that's where obsession. If if you are following Jesus or, or, or passionate about Jesus, you, you you're courageous. You, mm. you can't 
you can meet Jesus and not be courageous, but you can't be obsessed with Jesus and not be courageous. Mm -hmm. Courage is one of the things that comes with you. It says that even in the book of Acts that they could see that these guys had been with Jesus by their courage. Mm. Uh, and so, again, I think there's a whole lot of things we could say. But for me, I know people who know Jesus. I know people who've met Jesus. But I think we've got to move from just knowing and meeting to actually being obsessed with Jesus. Mm -hmm. Let it all center around him, mm. everything revolving around him. And I know people say that's obsessive. Yes, it is. But I think if we're not obsessed with that, we're obsessed with something else. Mm -hmm. And it's a dangerous thing even in ministry. I mean, we can get so busy. I keep saying this. I know, let me move, give you back, throw it back to you. But one of the big challenges for all of us, and I think we have to come back to this, is that the Lord of the work is way more important than the work of the Lord. Mm. And it's not a cliche. That is so profound if you think about it, that mm. we get so busy working for him that we end up neglecting him himself. And that mm. happened even in the Ephesus church where Paul, I mean, Paul plants that church obsessed with Jesus and he pioneers this incredible church. And I mean, the name of the Lord held in high honor. You can read that all in Acts 18 and 19. And then Jesus 30, 40, maybe 50 years at most, he's looking at this church and he says, you've done this well, you've done all the stuff we would say, wow, what a church. But he says to them, but the one thing I have against you, you forgot about me. And mm. you just say, how does a church that's birthed in that revelation mm. in 30, 40, maybe 50 years lose its way? Very easy, intentionality and passion mm. and obsession. Mm. And so it's like, we got to pass that on to generations, not just have it for ourselves. Yeah, very good. Taryn, um, just a kind of follow-up question on that. So, obviously speaking generally, but over the last kind of 10, 15, maybe 20 years, there's been this, I think in some ways, an appropriate kind of desire, longing for the gifts and ministry of the Holy Spirit, which yeah. I think there's absolutely, we need, it's not just rooted on the Word, we need to be rooted in the Word and enjoying, experiencing, acknowledging, understanding the ministry and gifts of the Holy Spirit. But I'd, mm. I, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I, I, you know, some would say there's been like a focus on the Holy Spirit as a person, you know, books written yeah. um, about him that p perhaps sometimes are Holy Spirit focused and not Jesus focused. Again, speaking generally, but any thoughts, any comments? I mean, do you agree? I'm sure you do that the that the Holy Spirit's greatest desire and longing is to exalt the person and ministry of Jesus. Yeah, right. just just thoughts thoughts around that. Yeah, so if we back up and just look at history, church history, you realize that whenever God highlights a point, we're very good at taking that point and forgetting all the other points. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's history. Like, you know, God never emphasizes a new truth or brings back another, a new truth at the expense of all the mm. other truth. He mm. adds that truth too. So it's happened right through church history. It happened in the Bible. We can see early church losing their way and so on. And so, I, I, again, if you know, we keep saying this. The biggest threat to the word of God, I don't think, is those who directly oppose it. I'm happy with those guys because mm. then you know where they stand. Mm -hmm. I think more than that, the greatest threat to those who claim to believe it but are ignorant to what it says. Mm. And that's our challenge, I think, in all subjects from Jesus right through to the Holy Spirit and all those things is that if we are Bible illiterate or we claim to believe it, but we're not sure what it really says, or we're just listening to others telling us what it says, but don't know it for ourselves, 
uh, we're getting a slanted view, number one, and we're getting an incorrect view. And then our thing that we're passionate about becomes the thing. And so we've got to come back to Scripture and go from Genesis to Revelation. And that's why even the whole Jesus focus mm. is clearly evident. The whole of the Old Testament is anticipation Jesus is coming. The, the, the Gospels is Jesus has come. Uh, the book of Acts is Jesus is here. The epistles is Jesus is Lord. And then the book of Revelation, where it all ends, is consummation. Mm. Jesus is coming back. So you can, with integrity, say the whole Bible revolves around the theme of Jesus. So mm. if we can settle the theme, then these other things that we're passionate about must find their place next to him or mm. under him rather than take the place of him. And mm. so, I mean, this, the Holy Spirit kind of subject is, Man, you know that. We've been preaching that too because I think part of this crazy season we've gone through is God's moved his church from what we can do to coming back to what he can do. Uh, Zechariah 4 says, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. We all quote mm. that, but we've all done it by might and our power, not yeah. by his spirit. And so mm -hmm. I, the, the church is tired of filling our calendars with endless ministries and things that we don't need him for. So we've come back to realize, actually, without him, we can't do anything. So we need him, and we need mm. his power and his presence. But nowhere can you find a true biblical, I'm backing biblically, mm. where the Spirit's desire is to take the glory from Jesus. Mm. And so, mm. you know, we see that even when Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit, best teaching, John 14, 15, mm. and 16, he made very clear that the Holy Spirit's it hadn't come because Jesus had yet been glorified. In other words, they didn't send the Holy that he hadn't been sent in a sense to be the take the place of because he had Jesus had yet to be glorified because the mm. ministry of the Spirit is to bring glory to Jesus. And so I, I think, Steve, in my understanding, uh, and, I, and and again, of what is needed is that we need to relook at the Trinity mm. and look at it in through 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 the eyes of the scriptures and mm. You know, some believe in a Trinitarian God, although the word Trinity doesn't exist, but clearly God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, they three people in one. It's not three gods. It's one God, three people. Like mm. we keep saying the best I can describe it. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm one person, but I'm a father, I'm a husband, and I'm a, a, a father, husband, and what? Son. What, uh, what, father. Son. What's that? A son. And a son. I'm, mm. I'm a son, I'm a father, and I'm the same person, but I'm in those. And so, you know, someone said, if you, if you, if you can, if you try and explain the Trinity, you lose your mind. If you don't explain the Trinity, you lose your soul. Mm. And so it's, it's a long answer to say, absolutely. I mean, we got no chance of doing anything God's called us to do without his power and his mm. presence. The Holy Spirit is the early church could not function in anything. In actual fact, Jesus said, don't do anything till you receive power. Mm. But the power was not there to take the place of Jesus or replace mm. him or get the focus off him. It's there mm. to focus people on the glory of God. If you want mm. to show people how awesome Jesus is, you're going to need the Holy Spirit to help you do that. He mm. reveals. He, And so in, in all of this, if we get busy with those things at the expense of the main thing, those mm. things become distractions rather than they find their place. And the Trinity is very much in organized. There's no like weirdness about it. Everyone knows their role. You know, I've had people challenge me, well, what about God? How does he feel about all this? Well, I'm reading the Bible that God says that he's made Jesus the name above every other name, mm. that he, God, salvation belongs to God, right? Mm. But God has made that salvation cannot come by any other way. There's only one name by which he can be saved, and that's the name of Jesus. God made Jesus the head of mm. the church, mm. and God exalted Jesus to the highest. So, so 
they all very cool with us making much of Jesus. Mm. Uh, the Holy Spirit, his role is to shine light on him, to bring glory to him, mm. not to take his place and become the distraction. So I, again, I think if we can find the revelation of Christ, know mm. what the Father's role is, the Son and the Holy mm. Spirit, Man, we need more of the Holy Spirit. If you're a follower of Jesus, you need more of His Spirit. If you love the Spirit, you the true Holy Spirit, then you cannot not love Jesus and mm. be making sure He's getting the glory. So yeah, yeah, I think you know if we if you know just lastly, if I could say this about the whole, about Jesus, if listen, if I was the devil and some think I am, I'm actually not, believe it or not. But <laughs> if I was the devil, I would do exactly what he's done. And what I mean by that is take your eyes off Jesus. Yeah, Jesus took him out on the cross. Jesus is the one who defeated him. Mm. Jesus is the one who gives us the authority and the power. It's in his name we carry. So if I was the devil, I'd get the church busy with preaching and busy with praying. I mean, prayer is even cool. Do your thing, gather, have your social clubs, and even talk about spirit stuff. But just leave Jesus out of it because Jesus is the one who took him out. That's mm. where our authority mm. is. And somehow we buy into that all the time and move from that into good things, God things, but at the expense of the very thing that brings the victory and the thing that gives mm. us our power and the thing that motivates us into whatever we're called. Mm. Very good. I mean, it's a verse we know very well, Acts 1.8, where Jesus gives us yeah. the definition of why the Holy Spirit is about to come. You know, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And I think we all... Or many of us stop at that at that point of the promise, you know, receiving power and the Holy Spirit coming upon you, and and then we forget the second part where Jesus goes on to say, so that you can be my witnesses, and so that you can testify and you can tell others about who yeah. about the Holy Spirit or about the experience of enjoying His presence. No, about Jesus, we are empowered Absolutely. to testify yeah, about Jesus. It, right? Yeah, yeah, and even that thing of when He says you will receive power when and you'll be, not go do, and I love that because yeah. to me it actually speaks of identity. Very good. If you truly are a follower, it doesn't say you're going to tag this ministry on. You will be. In other words, when you receive power, you're going to, the response to being filled with the Holy Spirit power mm. is you are a witness of Jesus. Mm. So Jesus getting honor for the Spirit's power in you. Can't separate the two. Yeah, know? very good. Ty, I'm thinking about something that you once shared at Anthem. Something that I love is that you're not afraid to offend people. It's and so this is uh we we welcome offense on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. I guess is is what I'm trying to say. So something that you you once shared was is that, that why I never get invited back. That's why Steve doesn't invite me back. If we so I once offended you, if we if we made it a year and we haven't been canceled yet between the two of us, I think I think we're we're in the clear, God willing. But. Uh, no, I was, I was thinking back to the time where you shared about how you were in this incredibly holy moment. And there was one verse that God, I mean, I mean, you, you said you couldn't even look up and there was one verse that God dropped on your heart. So I hope, I was hoping you can kind of expand on that, that, that anecdote here real quick. And something else that I wanted to ask is kind of this concept that, that you, you explained about the game. Like, what is the game? Like when you, when you say that, what, what do you mean by the game? And then two, you talked about how you're not worried about the people who outright oppose what the Bible says, which I'm with you. Yeah. I mean, the, it's, it's like Jesus says, there's no, it's better to be either hot or cold. Don't be in the middle. Don't be lukewarm. That's worse. That's a worse thing that can happen for Christians. Is, is that kind of what you mean? Can you expand on that concept a little more? Yeah. Again, I always ask two questions and one to give Liberty. wherever <laughs> yeah, you three, want. Actually. Yeah. Three. <laughs> you got three. I think that, uh, that one story you said that I had shared was basically, it was just a moment of, 
of incredible worship, you know. And, and again, I, you know, just if I can answer this in a little bit of a long way, I hope this is okay, guys. But mm, it's good. You know, you know, the whole Holy Spirit emphasis is essential because it's in Scripture. But it's I've tried to separate power and presence because I, I think so many guys want His power, but they're not interested in Him Himself. And mm. I think they are can be together, but they're not the same thing. And so I, I'm all for. And I've been talking about what would a church actually look like. And this is an offensive thing, which blows my mind. People get offended. But what would the church look like if it was built to attract God, not just people? Mm. And be like, oh, we don't need that. We're about people. No, no, but we need God to encounter so we can encounter people that people. Anyway, that's another whole thing. So it was in these moments of worship that we were having this incredible, incredible time. And I wasn't leading the meeting. I was right at the back just standing there watching, going, wow. You know, it was coming out of COVID and we were all allowed to gather again. And there was this incredible anticipation, expectation of worship. And it was all Jesus focused, man, the songs, you know, it's not like who we singing about. We knew it was Jesus. It was honoring. It was why people were coming up with scriptures, you know, and all the great revelation text of the throne room and Jesus in the middle. And wow, it was not, again, it wasn't, I wonder if this is about Jesus. This was all about Jesus. And I looked from front to back, people were on their knees. The musicians were on their knees. And honestly, for me, I thought this is a picture of heaven. And I felt pleased because I'm all about let's get Jesus the focus. Let's get him. And I, I remember in my spirit saying to the, to the Lord, you must be pleased. I'm pleased that we're making so much <laughs> of you. And, and I, I literally felt the spirit. And again, guys, I, I didn't know. I mean, I should, I suppose, been in. I should know every verse apparently. So, But I, it was this. I remember that I felt God, I felt like Jesus saying to me, and I didn't hear him. I felt Luke chapter six, verse 46. And forgive my ignorance. I don't even know what it said. And so I went and looked while we were having this glorious moment. And I looked at Luke chapter six, verse 46. And, and it says this, Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? And then he, he begins to unpack how silly that is about the foolish man builds his house on the sand and, and I, and I felt that, you know, and I, I wasn't in the meeting and I didn't say anything, but I felt like the Lord's saying, we're having this great moment right here. And there is true honor and sovereignty and Lord. But most will get up or some will get up and walk out of those doors after this meeting and go back to their own life doing their own thing. And mm. he's saying, don't call me Lord, Lord, if you're not willing to do what I say. You can't have a moment with me and then have your own life. And that's the rebuke that I was given and going, oh, my gosh, like this is great moment in time. But the Lord says these moments happen a lot, but it's the reality of what happens after those moments. Mm. And so that was that story just in that context, which was really eye opening for me. Don't call him Lord, Lord. Don't tell him he's Lord, Lord, and you're doing your own thing. What are we doing with what he said? And so that was that. The question about game, I'm not sure what you're saying. What game? Are we playing football? Or are we? I don't know what that <laughs> When I talk about game, I wasn't sure what what, what is that. I think. Oh, I thought you were being sarcastic. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> you were talking about uh, how uh, you didn't want to play the game in, in the context of the church early in your testimony. Uh, okay. Yeah. What yeah. did you mean by the game? Yeah. So I mean, there is a game. There's a, a church game. I mean, it's there. You do these things in meetings, and then you go live your own life. It's it's a game, and. I, again, for me, I can't play. I want reality. I'd rather it be authentic and rough and even look bad mm. than we play this slick game called church on a Sunday. We have this show that's so perfect, but there's no reality. I don't want to play. Like for me, Christianity or serving Jesus can't be a game. Yeah. It's, it's a lifestyle. I'd rather the mess 
than the game that looks good, but it's not a reality. And mm. that's kind of what I was saying. And I think if we're honest, that's what most people, if not all people want. Uh, and that's why I'm like, let's just get real and authentic rather than let's play this Christian game with no reality. People need reality. And that's, that's a good thing, you know. Um, I can't remember the third one. Sorry, I took so long on the first. <laughs> no worries. So it's, it's, this is all good. Um, and then kind of in line with or building off that question about the game, you know, what, what, how does being lukewarm fit into this concept of the game? Are people who are playing the game, are they lukewarm? And then how do you identify if you are playing the game then? And how do you identify if you're lukewarm? Well, honestly, I can't be the judge. I'm thank God I'm not. You know, he's the judge. I don't want to pick out people. Mm. I I think we all need to get honest with ourselves. Mm. I don't think we need to call people out. I mean, again, I'm too busy trying to do what I'm called to do and lead people to it and watching over my own life rather than worrying about everyone else. Although I shouldn't as a leader, but I think we're very good at judging others, but not ourselves. This is our self question. Mm. You know whether you're lukewarm or if you hear that word, you know that's me. You don't have to Very go, oh, I wonder mm-hmm. if that's me. If you if you are that, you know you are. If you don't know you that, then you're probably not. How's that? Mm-hmm. And and so for me, I, I think it is. You know whether you're playing the game. And it is that lukewarm. You you whatever people want you to be wherever you are. You're not just – and that's what he was saying. I'd rather you be cold or hot but not play some game. And so mm-hmm. it is that, you know. And, and I think I think of ignorance, that's what you're saying, ignorance to the word of God or – right. Um, I think if people challenge you, you know, I, I, I'm, I don't have to convince people to believe in nor do you. I think that's our problem. We're so mm. busy trying to convince. People don't agree. I'm happy. If people don't believe the Bible, they have the right to. I can show them what the Bible says, but if they don't believe, I, I can help them. And this has happened even recently. I was on a, a flight just like this weekend uh, to, not, to, to, to Raleigh and this lady and I, we were having it out. I realized this is a waste of time. And she was coming at me. I wasn't. I was sitting next to her, trying to prep for that meeting that I was getting off the plane to preach. But she was having it, and she was anti everything. And I mean, she's a lost, very lost lady. But she was having a go at the scriptures, and and I realized she doesn't believe them. So why are we having this convo? You know, mm. Free. That's cool. I like you, but so I, I would rather people say I don't believe that than to tell me they believe it, but they don't know what they believe because they don't know what's in it. Mm. See, ignorance is not bliss. Mm. And when it comes to scripture, we need to wisen up as the people of God and know mm. what it says because we got so many people telling us what it says and doesn't say when it doesn't actually say that. Mm. And I think that is our challenge is we need to read it for ourselves and not just listen to podcasts and people. Mm. We need to go to scripture and say, what does it actually say? And then we have our own understanding and the spirit will give us more revelation. Yeah. Uh, and I love that about the Holy Spirit. He plays a major role in the Word of God mm. when you're reading Scripture. I mean, that's what they keep saying. When when you open your Bible, God opens His mouth. I love mm. that. And mm. and it's also that the, that the Bible is the only book where the author is always present. I love mm. that, which means when I'm reading, the author's here telling me what it says rather than I wonder what my preacher or pastor or mm. ministry has to say about this. And I think that's where we got to get a lot more, not, yeah, I believe the Bible. I know what it says. Therefore, I believe it rather than I believe everything in it, even though I don't know what it means or says. I love that. I think that's probably a great way just to land this first episode is um, just that wonderful reminder, Tyron. I, I love how you, I don't know if you intentionally did this. I'm going to give you the credit and say you did intentionally do this, but how you brought it into land. I did. I absolutely <laughs> you did. How you brought it into land about reminding us. I don't that know we need. what I did. But <laughs> <laughs> we just, what you said, wisening up to the truth of what the Bible teaches, you know, and then 
only by the spirit of God, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. Only then are we able to actually, you know, live it out, live it out with a love for Jesus out of a desire to be obedient to his word. And that's when we're going to see, you know, the power of God flowing in us and through us to see the kingdom of God advanced. It just... I mean, that's what this podcast is all about, is making sure that we're living a life where we are 100% passionate about the the Word of God and 100% passionate about the Spirit of God so that we can be 100% focused on Jesus. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think that's, and I mean, I know that math doesn't add up, but math doesn't add up in the kingdom of God. It it doesn't at all. Speaking about the Trinity. that's exactly right. Yeah. It's a good three key points. Yeah. Making the point. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So Tyron, thank you so much. Um, We're going to, we're going to take a short break and then um, come back and do episode two, but thank you so much for being with us. It's been absolutely outstanding. And don't forget to check out the second episode that's coming up uh, shortly. Yeah, well, will that be like <laughs> in another year's time, Steve? No. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>